How's everyone doing today? Welcome back to On The Ball. Welcome back to another episode of Review The Prem, where we're going to take a look at each and every Premier League game and uh, also give a reaction to our score predictions, which we gave at the beginning of the weekend. And as you can see on the top of the screen, it's 288 to Sim, 290 to me. And the way the scoring works, it's five points for a completely correct scoreline, one point for a correct result. And the star man, once you pick that man, you can't pick them again for the rest of the season. Five points for a goal, two points for an Let's get into the weekend's action, starting off at the GTEC Stadium as Liverpool beat Brentford by four goals to one. Both of us going for 3-1, so uh, we're actually pretty close on that one, but uh, we both get a point each. And um, probably what we all expected, seeing as we did say 3-1, I think Liverpool were fairly impressive in the game, but it was, it was equally a really good victory, but also a kind of a damaging victory because they had so many injuries uh, throughout the day. By half-time, they were down three men due to injury and you're looking at the title race and that's gonna that's gonna hurt them it's kind of like they won but at what cost yeah that, exactly. this game it was, it was uh, really unfortunate it was in, seemed to be going all swimmingly for them you know uh, Jota sets up Nunes just before half time with a brilliant lob finish what I want to say about that Nunes finish by the way um, I think goes under the radar how impressive that lob was because I think yeah. um, first of all he had a lot of time to think about it you always consider like Nunes as someone who lacks a lot of composure and what, what was so great is usually um, when you lob the keeper like that, um, it's usually so effective because the, the keeper's crouching down and it, you know it's easy to get that height. But that keeper Flecken was completely standing up and he was still able to get it up and over him. It's a tall keeper really, as well. Yeah, really impressively. So great finish by Nunes. But as you say, Jota picked up a serious injury. Curtis Jones picked up a serious injury. Nunes went off at half time. Um, apparently his one is not as bad, but he still might be out for a couple of weeks as well. But Salah as well. I mean, Salah completed the game, but apparently he's out yeah, for the next couple of games. There's rumours of that. Apparently Klopp spoke today and he hasn't mentioned that Salah's out. He, I don't know if he's going to be making the final, but um, so he also picked up an injury, but obviously he came off the bench. I mean, he's not a bad player to bring off the bench, is it? And obviously he made his return, got a goal and assist and showed um, what what they'd been missing. Um, I thought he got a brilliant assist for McAllister's, yeah. uh, McAllister's goal and obviously he went out. Um, I thought it was a weird one for Brentford because I've actually thought they gave Liverpool a really good game, but they were making some really bad sloppy mistakes at the back which uh, ended up costing them um, any sort of route back into the game even though Ivan Tony obviously got his got on the score sheet carrying on his really good form since his return um, but even with the injuries if they can keep Salah fit they still got Salah Gakpo and Diaz I mean it's not bad for if three, Salah's fit, if Salah's fit you know um, because there are rumours that he could be out for the next couple of weeks, next two, three games. So, so look, I if, mean, yeah, it's, it's not it's not great, but if it's only two, three, I mean, it's not a serious injury. So that is a positive if it's true. Um, I, I'm, I'm just looking at Klopp. He's on, he's on a press conference today because they're playing tomorrow. And he did mention that... Um, Jota and and Nuna and um, and Jones are going to be out for a while, but I don't think he's. I'm not sure if he's confirmed anything about Salah. Such a shame for Jota as well. He was in such good form, uh, picking up the mantle uh, that you know Mo Salah left when he went got injured, and suddenly Mo Salah's back, or if he is back, it seems so. He's Jota's fine. been he so met, good, hasn't Salah's he? Salah's not injured. He's not. No, Salah's not injured. Okay, so that's that's all right for them. I mean, it's one in, one out, isn't but, it? But he said Allison might be out for a while. Mm. 
which is which again another really bad one. Um, at the moment, Trent as well. Trent and Shobazlai are still injured and they're not fit uh, to play uh, in the in the coming weeks. I do so think they have enough to to kind of uh, cover those though. You look at Trent being out. Connor Bradley comes in. Connor Bradley's mm. been brilliant um, ever since he's come into the team. So you do you do expect them to have enough uh, to face the teams that they are about to face over the next couple of weeks. And I still think they win that cup final with these injuries as well. So just a testament to the the squad depth that they do have. Hundred percent and. Also, the fact that they're giving you for chance, you know, Conor Bradley's come straight in, as you said. Um, they're willing, you know, Harvey Elliott's been, you know, very heavily involved. They're just giving young players an opportunity to shine uh, in that team. Um, and th- as long as they can keep their defence settled, I think they look, they got a lot of talent in that forward line, even without Jota and, and potentially Nunes as well. Yeah, actually, I'm looking at it, didn't seem to mention Nunes. So maybe his injury isn't as bad as first feared as well. So it seems as though. Uh, the Jota one is bad because he's in really great form, but they should be okay. But um, it still keeps them top of the league. And it's really impressive how they were just able to... It was a really tough away game, especially 12.30 kickoff as well. Away at Brentford is always going to be a tough game. And they came through it uh, really impressively. And even though Brentford gave them trouble, you know, the, their firepower was too much for them. Yeah, in terms of Brentford, like you can play as well as you want against, against this Liverpool side. But if you're sloppy at the back, you're always going to lose the game because that's how clinical and how good this Liverpool forward line are. And um, look, Brentford, they are 25 points, only five points outside the drop. Do, do you have any fears for them in terms of potential relegation or getting pulled into it? Um, I think since Tony's come back, the level of performance has definitely taken up a notch. He's given them a bit more uh, this, a bit more energy and a, a bit of a bit of a difference. And obviously, his goal scoring form. The results haven't massively picked up, but I do expect. I think they've had some tough games. Like uh, so, I do expect uh, like they played us away. Obviously, they played Liverpool, so and they've got Man City on midweek. I'm not expecting them to get any points there. But after this tough run, I do expect them to maybe start picking up some regular points I don't think they're in danger of going uh, hitting the drop and also I don't know when Mbwemo's back I'm sure that's at some point and I thought it was a long term injury I'm not I'm not sure yeah but he's been out for a while mm. so I'm sh- maybe he's due a return in a month or so I don't know but when he's back I'm sure he'll, he'll be fine yeah, um, I mean, he's a massive plus for them, isn't he? Mm. But the difference has been Tony, even though they haven't been getting results, he's the one that's been able to put the ball in the back of the net quite consistently. And I'm just looking at the injuries now in terms of Wemo. He's back at the end of March. Okay, still So probably month. won't be able to play until like April, mid-April or something like that. But Wissa so. came on as well. He was he would been away in the AFCON. He came on and he can make a big difference as well. Morpai's been in actually good form. So I think Brentford will be okay. I, I'm looking at the, who they're competing with and I just, I don't see them getting dragged into it. In terms of Liverpool, um, obviously it was a damaging defeat against Arsenal um, a week or two ago, but they are sitting top of the league. If Man City win tonight, they go level on points with Liverpool with potentially a worse goal difference. There's four goals in it. No, they go one point behind still. Uh, one point, point behind, behind uh, but Liverpool play the next day don't they as well so do you think um do you think Liverpool what do you reckon about their title aspirations this year do you reckon they're going to do it I think if you actually look at the run-ins that both that of the top three you I think Liverpool might have the better the, the easiest run-in so from that account and as well they're in Europa League and not the Champions League so Obviously, they're going to take it seriously, but when Arsenal and Man City are playing midweek, they can't really, they can't really afford to like, you know, Arsenal can't like drop Saka for the rest, Saka for the Champions League, you know, to play him in the Premier League. But Liverpool might be able to rest a few players in the earlier, like in the earlier rounds of the Europa League before like the quarters and semis or so. So maybe that could play into their favour as well. And obviously, it's a bit of an easier competition. So but they might not be able to rest if they got these injuries. Yeah, but it seems that they don't. So mm. apart, I mean, apart from Allison and Jota, but. So I think Liverpool, um, I think that at the moment, I still put City as favourites, but I put them as second favourites. 
head of Arsenal. Yeah, I do. Um, I put them ahead of Arsenal. Well, let's talk about Arsenal now because they had another resounding victory, this time at Turf Moor, 5-0 to Arsenal. Sim went for 3-0, I went for 4-0, but it was 5 and um, look, Arsenal completely swept this Burnley side away and it wasn't anything that's going to surprise you. No Burnley side that are very open at the back. Um, looks like they're sleepwalking to relegation um, and Arsenal over the next cu- last couple of weeks, they've completely overturned that goal difference hmm. deficit, haven't they? 11 goals in the last two games um, so they're clearly on high confidence they're ripping teams apart at the moment and all that talk of you know early season attacking struggles at the moment it seems as though they're seeming to overcome them they're seeming to start to, they're kicking into another gear it looks like I know it was only Burnley away and you know I think you know many team, a few teams have gone away to Burnley and scored a few goals so it's not like mm, uh, we scored five there yeah we scored five so it's not like a massive um, massively impressive to win 5-0 but I think it's just a level of dominance they had um, Saka starting to score regularly again obviously the fact that Havertz and Trossard are chipping in as well is going to keep their confidence high going into the going into the run in another clean sheet as well I think that's maybe the most impressive thing the fact that they've won uh, they've scored 11 goals and conceded none and they've probably had the best defence probably this season you could argue and now they're starting to kick into another gear offensively I can understand why I think Arsenal fans will probably be feeling like um, they're really stepping up and if they can continue to defend like they were for a lot of the season and then add this attacking flair that they're now seeming to show the last few weeks, they're going to take some stopping. Since the turn of the year in the Premier League, after that bad patch they've had, they've scored 21 goals and conceded two. That yeah. is just nuts. Yeah. And you have look, you have to give credit where credit's due. They after that they think they lost three in a row, didn't they, in all competitions? And then it looked like their title charge was dwindling, but they have turned it on. And absolutely, maybe maybe that break did them well. They had a that that winter break, you know, they went away to Dubai and Warm they were training and they refreshed. And it seems to have done them really well because they've come back like a like a new team and they seem like getting back to those levels of last season where they were just absolutely relentless going forward and they've added this defensive solidity which makes them hard to stop. So look, credit to them, they're on an absolute roll. So I I, I still think they're they're gonna fall short of Liverpool and City. I still put them as third. But if they can carry this on, they can. They're going to run them close. Yeah, but all the talk talking about oh, they're in a top four race and potentially Spurs or, or another team could finish above them. I think that's put to bed now. Looks like it. I mean, they're eight points away now, so I think that's going to be unlikely at this point. Yeah. But there's a lot of talk at the moment about Saka because they've people have noticed that Saka has now overtaken Bale's goal and assist rate with less Premier League games. Um, Have some respect, man. Have some respect for the five-time Champions League, the the best British export of all time. You know what I mean? Have some respect. Saka ain't on that level just yet. Also, I think people don't consider, I think for Bale's first two or three seasons, he was playing a left-back before Mm -hmm. he turned into a midfielder. If you probably take his period when he just became a winger and compare that to Saka's, I reckon... To be fair, Saka was playing at left-back as well. No, I don't think as much as Bale. No, not as much as Bale. Probably not. But he still started at left-back. He did start start left-back. It is true. But... I don't see Saka yet on Bale's level. Bale has more Champions League medals than Saka has Champions League wins. So, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on to Newcastle against Bournemouth. Finished 2-2 at St. James's Park. Sim went for 3-1 to Newcastle. I went for 1-1. So I get a point here. Sim gets zero points, which takes it to 290 to 293. Um, 
Look, I thought Newcastle actually, um, it was a very fairly even game with Newcastle having the majority of the possession, but there was chances at either, each end, to be honest. And I think a draw was probably a fair reflection of the game. Yeah, and obviously Matt Ritchie, 90th minute goal. Where's Matt Ritchie been? <laughs> literally, he just turned up to play against his old club and get a goal. I literally haven't seen him in years. I didn't know he was still at Newcastle, but ends up, ends up getting the equaliser in the 90th minute. Bournemouth will, will be kicking themselves that they were, um, I think that they, they led... Um, uh, for, for, for a lot of that second half and they weren't able to get the job done in fact they led twice didn't they um, taking the lead twice that second half so they'll be really disappointed that may, they probably saw an opportunity to end that run of that winless streak they had and get over the line but Newcastle came back I think Newcastle again is a with no, obviously Isaac being injured, Wilson now looks like he's got a long-term injury. Um, it's a bit of a struggle. It's a bit worrying for them um, in the front line, where they're consistently where those goals are going to come from. Because I know Gordon got a penalty, Matt Ritchie got the goal, but I think that's imp- uh, symptomatic of th- that lack of a goal scorer. Without those two up front, it's going to be really. Um, it's going to be a big struggle for them to make basically make that domination turn into goals like they have uh, for a lot of the season. And especially at home when they're so good at St. James's Park, drawing points to Bournemouth will be very, very disappointing. But Bournemouth are a very good team and it's a really good result for them. Obviously, I don't think they're going to be in any relegation trouble. They're still... They're eight points clear of the drop, so that's not going to be a possibility. But any, but a lot of people thought when once Newcastle went out of Europe and they got some players back, maybe they might make a late charge for the Europa League. <laughs> but they but, haven't got the players back. Yeah, now they've got more injuries. They're ten points away from fifth. So I mean, at the moment they're seven points away from sixth. It's still going to be a lot of clawing back to do. Yeah, it is a lot of clawing back to do. But I think um, all these teams, when you're looking at Villa, Tottenham, Man U, Brighton, Newcastle, where everyone below kind of the top three are capable of dropping points at any given moment, to be honest. So if I think any team that can put a run together, they can claw their way up the table. But I do feel like Newcastle aren't capable at the moment of putting that run together. Yeah, as long as Wilson and Isaac are out, I can see them getting really inconsistent points. I think once one of them, I think Wilson might not play again this season. So once Isaac comes back, I can see them turning into a bit of a force again, especially at home. But I just can't see it while whilst they're out. Then I'm not, they're not going to be able to make their dominance pay consistently. I don't and think. also, I worry about their midfield. You know, you got Bruno Guimaraes in there, but Luis Maglia relying on like a 17, 18 year old week in week out, and Sean Longstaff. I know he scored two goals the other week, but mm. you can't be relying on these two guys in midfield and expect to be a dominant force in the Premier League. That's also a good point. Yeah, obviously, Joe Linton's out for a while. Tonali's still banned, so. Yeah, I think this season is soon might, might turn into a bit of a write-off for Newcastle. Do you think that if they don't finish in the in the European places, that Eddie Howe could lose his job? I mean, I we've spoken about this before. Yeah, but. I know. I th- I don't think they will sack him. I reckon they'll they'll back him. But it's it's, it's kind of it's the kind of thing that he's on borrowed time. So if he, I think they'll give him the season. But if he has like a bad start to next season, like maybe maybe wins only a few games in his first 10 games he might be on the chopping block at that mm. point but I reckon they give him give him the season but then again you're like what is the point of that when you have to put your faith in someone in, with a summer business and they're going to have to spend money this summer right to to replenish the squad so what's the point like if you're going to say like if he has a bad start he's going to get sacked you may as well either you put your faith in him or you don't in my I, opinion I agree but he, we, I think we all know he's had a lot of difficult circumstances this season. It's been extremely hard to deal with, with all the injuries and obviously the, the, had the group of death in the Champions League. It's been uh, the seasons went completely wrong. But I don't think anyone else. I, th- I don't think anyone else could have done a, gr- a better job. But the fact that he has dropped, if he, if he completely drops out of Europe, then I think he's, uh, he's, he's 
on borrow time a bit. He's got to completely step up. And I agree, if you're going to give him the summer, then you have to give him even more time. But if you've had a season where it's bad, that, that time isn't going to come. But I don't think they're going to sack him. Yeah, if I, I if I'm if, if he has a bad start, if I'm in, in the Newcastle hierarchy, I'm giving him I'm giving him another season to be honest, unless it goes horribly wrong in the latter stage of the season or by the halfway point. But if he has a bad start, I wouldn't sack him to be honest, because also you need the with the new players that they need to sign, they need to be able to be bedded in, they need time to kind of get to the ways he he likes to play as well. So it, it's not always instant success, is it? I agree with you, but that's why I think will happen. I think if he has a bad start to next season, he'll be gone. All right, let's move on to the Fulham. Let's go to Fulham. Craven Cottage as Aston Villa won by two goals to one against Fulham. Um, yeah, it was a really interesting game. Ollie Watkins getting two goals. Moon is carrying on his brilliant form, scoring a goal for uh, Fulham. Uh, what did you make out of this one? I thought Fulham were unlucky. I thought Villa did really well to get that two-goal lead, even though Fulham looked like they are taking the lead, but it got ruled out through VAR. Um, and Villa kind of scored immediately after that. So they really took advantage of, of the fact that VAR stepped in. They got the second goals, two really well-taken goals by Ollie Watkins. So big credit to him. But Fulham were unlucky. They got the goal back and they looked like in the last 10 minutes, the last you know stretch of the game, they might be able to get the equaliser. They put Villa under a lot of pressure on another day maybe they would have got that equaliser but to be fair to Villa they did um, stand up strong and get the victory and another day it could have been a different result um, but it, look at the end of the day Fulham away is a very difficult place to go and I think Villa will be very very happy they went and got the result I don't think it was the most convincing display from them but I think under the circumstances you know they've just picked up a lot of injuries this week Conta's out Kamara picked up that ACL um, they've they've picked they, you know, Mings are still out they've got a lot of injuries at the moment so they're just kind of uh, going with what they have you know they're still playing Clement, Clement Longley at the back so they will just be happy that in the circumstances they got the victory but I don't think it was a performance for me that tells me that they're going to go on a run but Look, fair play to him was a really good win in it for a tough place to go. Yeah, you know what it's like away in the Premier League. Sometimes you just need to get the job done. And I think that that's exactly what they did. But where the hell would they be this year without Ollie Watkins? I mean, every single time they win, he seems to be the one that's pulling them out uh, of trouble uh, from for a lot of the times this season. But Fulham, at the end of the game, what happened to them? In the last five minutes, they picked up like five or six bookings. They lost their heads a little bit. Yeah, they tried to get back in the game and they were maybe getting really frustrated. And also, you know, Villa are quite good at frustrating the opponent in those situations Una Emre teams also always a bit have a bit have a bit of shithousery in them so wouldn't surprise me that Fulham just got really frustrated at the end there mm. but look puts them back in the top four so really it good does, result yeah. for Villa it's, it's impressive for Villa and I think this top four battle is going to go all the way to the wire to be honest I really think it's going to go to the latter stages of the season between Tottenham Man United now and uh, Villa so we'll have to wait and see how that one progresses but let's go over to the city ground New, uh, Nottingham Forest 2 West Ham nil. Sim went for 1-1. I went for 2-1 to Forest. So I pick up another point in this one. Um, and yeah, another poor performance from West Ham. Um, Moyes seems to cut a very frustrated figure in his press conferences. And uh, an impressive victory for um, for Nottingham Forest with Taiwa Awioni back on the score sheet. Yeah, the really disappointing thing for West Ham is just how out of the game they were. Um, first of all, obviously, uh, Phillips got sent off at a 1-0 down, really killing any kind of chance they got to get back in the game. But <laughs> he has had a shocking start has, to his life at West Ham. Howler on his debut, and, that, and now he's been sent off, and he just hasn't played well at all since he's come into West Ham. So uh, maybe we're seeing evidence of why he wasn't getting a look in at Man City uh, at the moment. But 
I think going away to Nottingham Forest, you know, with the team West Ham have, you have to expect them to at least lay some sort of glove on Forest and, and you know, come away with some sort of chance of getting a result. But Forest have found it easy at times. And obviously, Callum hudson um rounded off late in the game uh, after Aoi only gave him the lead. He's and it was a, it was a brilliant counter-attacking performance from Forest. They, I think these are the kind of teams West Ham really hate to play against. When I think West Ham love it when um, you dominate possession and they can, like, very hit you, hit you quickly on the track transition that's how Moyes likes to play well, you say that. Likes look at Arsenal last week you know they're the yeah, team I mean, that dominate possession they absolutely battered them yeah but that's because Arsenal was so much better than them but I think in general when, when they're evenly matched they don't like to play teams like Forest who are going to play five at the back going to um, make it very difficult for West Ham to find that space they're going to restrict West Ham from that space I wouldn't. I mean I haven't seen the stats I wouldn't be surprised if West Ham had more possession they did 52% yeah, uh, not possession. so yeah but they had slightly more and that's what West Ham don't want West Ham like it when they don't have the possession and they can feed off the mistakes from the opposition Forest didn't allow that and and uh, they Forest did, did the opposite they hit them on the counter and it was a really, really good win for Nuno who needed it because, you know, after an initial good period, the results have been drying up a bit. There's also rumours as well uh, of a, point, a potential points deduction now coming for Nottingham Forest this season. So really, really important win and really important time to start picking up points because if they get a points deduction, if it's 10 points, that puts them only one point above Burnley and they would be really cut adrift if, yeah. they, if that was to happen. So they need to start getting results if, that, if they are going to get a points deduction. Also, just in general, to, to, to steer clear of the relegation so really when, important when are we going to know about this points deduction like, who knows who, like when, when Forrest first came in the Premier League they started signing like every single player under the sun how many they signed like 20-21 players yeah. surely they had the foresight that this was going to happen like it's madness clearly not clearly not but it was interesting to see Walt, uh, Moyes after the game very defiant mood I don't know if you saw his interview I He's, did yeah he said uh, they never had it so good yeah he said they never had it so good he said there are maybe some managers who excite the fans more than I do but this manager sitting, sitting right here wins more. And that's he's what got, he said. He's got a fair point though. Like as much as um, West Ham fans and no one around the Premier League enjoy watching West Ham play, especially with the players that they do have, they've got a trophy behind them, a European trophy in the Conference League and they've been regulars in Europe over the past uh, two or three years and West Ham have never had it so good. I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with what he that he that, that he's defending the job he's done. He's done a good job. I don't doubt that. I just think he's hit a ceiling with with West Ham with the job he can do with the players he has. I feel like West Ham are, are, are kind of their team is progressing past what Moyes is capable of doing. Agreed. They've got a are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK good team there they really do they've got a team they've got some attacking players that could compete with with some of the, the better teams in the league and he's still playing as if West Ham are the plucky underdogs in every game and, and if they had a better more progressive manager who knew how to handle uh, better attacking players I think they could be playing a lot better football can they be in a better position I mean they're ninth at the moment I think 
I think they definitely could be play, playing better football. And it just gives the fans something to believe that they're going somewhere. Whereas at Moyes, it always just seems like they're just playing to stay in games and nicking wins. And I feel like, yes, it's done them great, but it's time to move on from it. And they're not going to progress until Moyes is gone, in my opinion. I'm looking at them compared to like a Brighton. I think they've got a better team than Brighton in terms of man-for-man personnel. So they should be doing better from that aspect. But they're only two points off Brighton, let's be honest. But... Um, Where's their kind of where in terms of what where their squad's at? Where do you think they should be finishing the league? Probably seventh, eighth, something like that. So they're not too far off it. I mean, I mean, I think pushing the top six. I really believe that. They should, I don't know if they look. I don't, I'm not saying you should expect them to finish top six, but I'm saying if they got a manager who can get them playing really good progressive football, even overachieving a bit, I wouldn't be surprised if they got very close to that top six. But I don't think they got a chance under Moyes. Graham Potter's the man for them, surely. Surely he's the man. He's, he plays good football. He knows the Premier League. Uh, did such a good job with Brighton. I think he'd be perfect for West Ham. I really do. I agree. I think it'd be a very good appointment. Um, but let's go on to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. As Spurs lost by two goals to one at the hand of Wolves. Sim went for 3-1 to Spurs. I went for 2-1 to Spurs. And um, it was anything but that. Really poor performance from Spurs, to be honest. Uh, very good performance from Wolves. Counter-attacking performance. They hit us on the break and punished us uh, time and time again. Even though when they didn't score, uh, they were pun punishing Pedro Neto on that counter-attack. He was unbelievable mm -hmm. um, on the day. And Spurs were just really slow lethargic, lacked creativity. We just couldn't hurt uh, Wolves for love nor money. Yeah, Wolves played the perfect game. They came with a plaid um, and they did a job on Tottenham in this game. You've got to hand it to them. Wolves are a very good counter-attacking team. We saw that you know, early in the season they beat Man City. Like they, They've done it to some very good teams this season. So... Um, the fact that Wolves came to the Tottenham Spurs, uh, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, they just uh, you know sat in their um, compact unit. They could, they hit Spurs on the counter. I think Pedro Neto has a very good argument. He might be the best counter-attacking player in the league at the moment. The way he carries the ball was like how, look how far he carried the ball for that second goal. I think he carried it near the edge of our own penalty area. And then not only did he do that, he went into like a sixth gear once he got yeah. into the penalty area, which was incredible to see. And um, I've seen him. Do so often this season against really good teams who just afford them that space and Spurs did that and the unfortunate thing for Spurs is they just weren't able to create any sort of chances when they with all the possession they had I think the stats say 71% possession but Wolves defended extremely uh, aggressively um, extremely, extremely organised and compact Gary O'Neill has got a very good counter-attacking team there and uh, even without Cunha with Huang and Sarabia and Neto they've got really good uh, players in that forward line that can really exploit the space and that's exactly what happened but obviously it was actually Jao Gomez who got the goals at the end of the day and um, two, uh, obviously one goal from a set piece would be really disappointing but the second goal was um, really good um, really good finish on the counter what I would say is in the second half Spurs did uh, did seem to start brighter with a bit, bit of intent obviously Kulisevsky got the equaliser within a minute and I thought for, uh, for that next 20 minutes it was like Tottenham had penned walls really far back and it looked like uh, Tottenham were really on top of that moment but unfortunately um, they got hit on the counter from a corner and then after that moment, got to give it to Wolves. They they saw out the game really well and Tottenham didn't look like scoring uh, at the end of the game. To be fair though, as much as we were on top in those 20 minutes, we didn't really hurt Wolves too much. We that was, apart from that, apart from that moment, which was a, a class individual moment from Kulisevsky, we didn't really hurt Wolves that much, did we? And when you're at home, uh, no matter who is against you, expect to create more open, uh, clear-cut chances than what we did. Yep. 
and that's the difficulty i think wolves are kind of the way they're set up was kind of the perfect kind of way to play against tottenham at the moment if you're gonna um uh, come at the tottenham stadium they played five at the back played with those wing backs played with people like neto who were just going to exploit the space for fun and we got undone unfortunately and that was and that was a sad case and look we did drop out the top four um we're still obviously only two points behind so we're still banging the race but um it was a damaging result for sure yeah, particularly because of the Man United result, which we'll get onto a bit later in the episode. But let's go on to the last game, which was on Saturday, the last Saturday game, which was Manchester City against Chelsea. It finished 1-1 at the Etihad. Sim went for 3-1, as did I. Um, I thought it was a good performance from Chelsea in that first half, to be fair. And uh, I'm not sure what happened in the second half, but Poch decided to drop off. They they went 1-0 up, by the way, in the first half. And then Mr. Clutch comes through at the end of the game once again for Man City when they really needed it. Uh, they were struggling to really, um, you know, get a clear-cut chance on goal. Ha- well, not clear-cut chance because Haaland was missing chance after <laughs> yeah. chance in this game. Like I've never seen a player of that quality just completely just keep missing chance after chance after chance. Um, and really good chances in there as well. But um, look, how clutch is Rodri? Yeah, he always comes up in these big moments when he need, when City needs someone to step up. Uh, he just got this knack of um, being in the right place at the right time and turning up in that position in and around the penalty area, making those late runs and getting on the end of things. It was a really important goal just to get that point. A defeat would have been really bad. I mean, a, a draw is still obviously a bad result, but you've got to give Chelsea credit, especially that first half. It was a really great counter-attacking display and it, they showed those elements that they showed in the 4-4 draw earlier in the season where when they got the ball, they were, very, they were so devastating in that transition with the people like Sterling, Jackson, just willing runners attacking that space that we know City are always going to leave and they were really effective playing those passes in behind and if Jackson missed an unbelievable chance before Sterling obviously gave um, Chelsea the lead and at that point, you know, it was a really great counter-attacking away display from Chelsea but as you say, City will be kicking themselves at Haaland, missed all those clear-cut opportunities. I think they probably should have a penalty as well. Uh, Man City's, they'll be pretty angry about that. Um, so the draw, look, at the moment, with the form that Arsenal and Liverpool are showing, any drop point is like a devastating result at the moment. So they'll be, they'll be feeling really bad about it. But I still think... Um, given how they've looked since De Bruyne has come back. They should have won this game, even though Chelsea will feel like maybe, given their first half performance, are worth a point. I think on the balance of play, they still should have won. They created enough chances to win. And I still think the form they've been showing since De Bruyne has been back has been really, really good. So I want to see more evidence that they're going to drop points before I say that, um, you know, I don't think City are favourites for the title still. But in terms of Chelsea, um, are you seeing signs? Because I, I think I am of signs of improvement under Pochettino and um, he's starting to get a few of his ideas across. Well, obviously, they got that 3-0 win against Villa in the Cup. They then, um, the following week, beat Palace in a, in the, with a 90th minute winner. So really good win there. And now they've gotten a draw away at City. So look, there are signs of life, but I'm, there are definitely signs of improvement. Don't get me wrong, but... Are there signs for you they're going to go on some like consistent run of results? I'm still waiting to see that. They didn't win, you know. They, they, that's the thing with Chelsea. They've played well in a few games a season and not won. I remember Liverpool beginning of the season, City at home. Like these are evidence of like Poch getting getting a tune out of Chelsea, but these aren't wins. We're still talking about games they, 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 they've dropped points. So I want to see a string of wins instead of just like games they're playing well I without don't. getting the result. I don't, <laughs> before I'm saying, I don't want to see it. I'm saying before I'm saying Poch is going to definitely turn it around. But definitely, you got to definitely say the performances are getting better. Yeah, but you got to say like with Pochettino, we know it so well. The, the performances need to improve and the results will follow. 
after that. You know, as once the performances start to improve, they need to bring in a few couple more players. I know it's crazy to say that, but they do need to bring in a couple more players in the summer. It was always going to be such a hard task to get so many players to gel at the same time. So the step one is to get the performances to improve. Step two is for the results to come. I out. think he needs European football. He needs to get into Europe this season. Mm. And they're, but they're only three points behind Brighton in seventh. So I think Conference League has a chance. I don't. I just don't see them catching nine points on United for top six. So I don't know. Well, if well, and maybe Kyle will get away with Conference League. But if he gets, if he has no Europe at all, I think it's going to be he's going to serious pressure come the summer. Mm. Let's go to the Sunday games. There's a battering at Bramall Lane once again. This time, Brighton won five goals to nil against Sheffield United. Sim went for two nil. I went for three one. We both get a point on the board here. And um, yeah, look, Sheffield United are down, in my opinion. You can't keep getting batters like this week in, week out. Um, this time, it was down to a stupid red card right at the beginning of the game at nil-nil. I mean, what is he thinking? Going high, studs up on Mitoma. And then after that, you just feared the worst and the worst did happen. Uh, Brighton absolutely killed them. Yeah, and... Yeah, the Brian are one of the worst teams you want to um, give a man advantage to because they just exploit the space so well. They're passing and moving. They know exactly how to exploit each extra man. And when you give them a bit of extra space, they can be devastating. That's exactly what happened. What was the most amazing thing about that red card is um, Sheffield United captain after the game saying he didn't believe it was a red card. He said after the game in on his post-match interviews, I didn't believe it was a red card. It was like, one of the most disgusting what? challenges I've seen. That might be the worst challenge in Premier League history. Like one oh, wait, off. wait, 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 wait. It wait. might be one off. Did you not see Roy Keane against Albin? Yeah, okay, I've seen that. <laughs> but this guy, it was, it was. I can't believe how how reckless that was. A sliding challenge, knee high, with, with all that um, uh, like uh, momentum going into it. It could have ended Matoma's career. That yeah. challenge, it was horrendous. And anyone suggesting that it wasn't a red card, I don't know what. I mean, I can't believe he's that biased that he looks at that and thinks it wasn't a red card. I it's think the manager so, like said it was definite red card. It was a clear red card. Yeah. It was reckless. It was stupid. And yeah, as you say, Sheffield United. That's their second consecutive home game. They've conceded five plus goals. Added to that, they conceded eight earlier in the season to Newcastle. Um, yeah, I just can't see them putting any sort of run together to turn this around. Well, if you're Sheffield United, the only way you get around, you get out of this situation is by having a very, very solid defence and like trying to nick games 1-0 and going on a run like that. Sam Allardyce style, basically. And when you're conceding five goals this regularly, especially after you change manager as well, there's just absolutely no chance that happens. So um, I feel like, yeah, Sheffield United, they're now set. I mean, they're seven points away um, from 17th. It's, I just find it very... And look, the only way maybe is if there's uh, if Everton and Forest both get another points deduction and then they somehow get some wins together. But uh, apart from that, I just don't see any chance. Sheffield United did not plan for being in the Premier League whatsoever coming into this season. They sold like two of their best players just before the season started. Like, what do they expect? You mm -hmm. know what I mean? They're, they're bottom of the league and they're bottom of the league for a good reason. They have the worst squad in the league by far, um, even below Burnley, in my opinion. And you look at some of the names on their team sheet. I mean, I wouldn't recognise half of them if I walked past them on the street. <laughs> 
and <laughs> probably goes to show the level at the moment. And that's it. Uh, let's go on to Luton against Manchester United. It finished 2-1 to Man United at Kenilworth Road. Sim went for 2-1 to Luton. I went for 2-1 to Man United. So I get a big fat five-pointer for this one, reaching the 300 mark. And uh, it was a really good game of football, this, wasn't it? I thought Man United started really well, obviously. Hoyland scoring two goals in the opening seven minutes of the game. But then I thought Luton really came back into the game. They got that goal. They probably should have had another one, uh, to be honest, to get back into it. But... Once that momentum kind of ran out, I thought Man United again started to put the pressure back on Luton and probably ended up deserved victors. I think that the balance of chances created, for sure, United deserved the victory. They they had in that second half a number of clear cut opportunities. How many times were they? How many times they won one with the goalkeeper and they screwed up? I think uh, um, Garnacho, no, yeah, Garnacho screwed one up. I think Bruno went past the goalkeeper and Lokonga saved it off, uh, kind of off the line or saved the open goal. I think there was another one where Hoyland tried to take it past the goalkeeper and he ended up gobbling up so they clearly had a number of opportunities to kill the game um they'll be kicking themselves they didn't i still didn't feel like united had control of that game though that was that's the feeling i got watching it i feel like when luton got it back to 2-1 luton were the ones dominating possession they were pumping balls into the box and united were struggling to deal with it they were giving away corners they were struggling to contain luton and on another day luton might have found that equalizer i think a few times it was bobbling around and they had shots and they you know if it wasn't for some real vital blocks on like a last ditch effort you know, I might have conceded. So I think Luton will definitely take pride in the way they play. I thought Barkley had another great game. I thought he had another brilliant performance in central midfield. So I'm watching that United game and I think, yeah, United deserve the victory. They 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 definitely played well and created enough chances. But I didn't watch them and I wasn't like convinced they're playing well though. Like they they create enough chances but they still didn't I didn't feel like they had control of that game and if they didn't kill it off and they if they would have conceded again it would have they would have been kicking themselves they only, only would have had themselves to blame because they're just still not controlling these games so look to be fair to them they are, they're now on a run of four consecutive wins so they are coming into form when it comes to results but in all those games I'm not seeing them playing well they are scraping by and just about getting over the line so is that sustainable I guess we'll have to wait and see but to be fair to them Hoyland seven goals in six games. If he carries on this goal-scoring run, then who cares if they're playing well if they're putting the ball in the back of the net? Exactly. Like, when you're looking at the top four race right now, you're looking at Tottenham, you're looking at Villa, you're looking at Man United. In terms of performance levels, I don't think anyone is convincing. But Man United are the ones that are getting the consistent results at the moment. You've got to give them credit. Yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, Hoyland's found this confidence. I have to say that, that finish for the second goal, it looks like it's just a deflection, but a really smart piece of play for Hoyland to manoeuvre his chest to quickly flick it into the back of the net. Uh, really underrated that finish. And that shows the high confidence he's playing at, at the moment. And uh, yeah, as you say, if if United keep uh, uh, at, the, at the moment putting the ball in the back of the net and getting those goals, doesn't matter if they're giving up chances, if they're taking advantage of their one to create, they're going to get the results. And that's what's happening at the moment. I think that's 13 goals in all competitions now for Rasmus Hoyland. And for a first year in the Premier League of his age, Champions League as well goals in there. Um, I think that's really impressive for him. I think he's only going to go for strength to strength. I'm seeing a, a, a really good player there in yeah. the making. If he can get himself, you know, into double figures, maybe get 12, up to 12, 13 Premier League goals, that's a pretty good start, I would say. I would say, though, Casemiro in the first half definitely should have been sent off. Mm. Early booking. I don't know why they didn't give the second booking uh, at that moment when they did. Like That was 100% a, a booking in the, uh, just before half time. I agree. I think got away with one massively. He seems to do that a, a number of times, getting away with one, but he did, does get sent off a lot. And Ten Hag rightfully so took him off at half time because he probably would have got sent off in the second half. And I do think uh, Luton, though, missed uh, Adebayo quite mm. a lot. 
because I think if Adebayo's there, I think they get that second goal. I agree. Um, let's move on to the last game of the weekend, which was Monday night football at Goodison Park. Everton won, Crystal Palace won with Oliver Glasner waiting in the wings. Sim went for 3-0 to Everton. I went for 1-0. Um, but look, you've got to give credit to Crystal Palace. Uh, no Eze, no Elise, but got a point at Goodison Park. Yeah, and obviously, as you said, Oliver Glasner has now been appointed. It wasn't his first game in charge, but obviously Roy Hodgson announced, uh, I think on the day before the game, he had stepped down and uh, Pat McCarthy and um, I think Ray Lewington obviously took caretaker charge. And But what was interesting is they did they went to the formation they were expecting Glasner to play. They went to a back three um, in, in the game, uh, a bit of a 3-4-3, three, three, and that is what Glasner's formation is. So I don't know if like Glasner put in a word saying, look, I want you to try this formation out for me and see what the players are. And it did seem to... Um, Definitely, uh, I don't think they're amazing, but what they did do was they re- really restricted Everton in their, their their ability to high press them. They they were very direct, getting into the balls into Mateta and Edward, and they were providing a bit of a threat on the counter. I don't think there was an incredible performance, but they definitely did enough to earn a point. Everton um, obviously got the equaliser late on through through Anana for through a set piece, and they did create chances through the game, but. I think if you're a Palace fan, going wherever Goodison Park, you're definitely expecting nothing uh, probably to to lose, especially when you're not got manager. And um, to get a to get a point, and also to see this new formation. And once Glasner comes in, obviously, what a job he did with Frankfurt. This is an exciting appointment for Palace, in my opinion. Look, you, I think he's one of those managers. He plays a back three, but it's not. It is like. I wouldn't say it's like a massively pragmatic uh, approach he has. Obviously, it's probably more pragmatic than like the progressive managers like Deserbi and Postacoglu and all these other managers you see at the top end. But it's de- he's definitely going to bring aggression. He's going to bring um, excitement to this Palace team. And I think it's going to be fresh. It's going to be a bit similar to like when Conte first came into Tottenham, I feel like. it's Yes, it's pragmatic, but when you, when you get it right, it can be exciting. And I think that's what Palace might see from now to the end of the season. Yeah, and I think you saw that consistently with Eintracht Frankfurt. You know, They weren't a boring team to watch by yeah. any stretch of the imagination. They were actually an exciting team to watch. And I think definitely it, a counter-attacking team. Yeah, 100%. But I think like if he gets it right at Crystal Palace, I think it could be the perfect appointment for them because they need to be have that sense of pragmatism in their game with where they are with the players that they do have but if they get the players that can spring on them in the attack like the Eze's and the Elise's mm. he'll get the best out of those players I think they can thrive under him mm, for sure I, I really agree um, one player I want to pick out is Adam Walton I'm really impressed mm. with what I've seen from him so far uh, to be honest a young player coming into the Premier League and he looks at home in the Premier League to be honest I think he's a future star well Palace have a knack of getting talent mm. from the Championship you can see that with Eze and Elise picking up uh, getting ahead of the game where other teams uh, you know are sleeping at the wheel and looks like they've got another one in Adam Walton who's really had an impressive start to life and getting uh, I've seen a lot of Palace fans talking about about him giving rave reviews and obviously Tottenham were interested in him a few other clubs but to be fair to Palace they got in there they put the money on the table and looks like they might have another another real find there it was a similar story with Eze wasn't it many clubs were after him Palace were the ones that put the money on the table and the same with Michael Elise from Reading you know Mm. and many clubs were after him and Palace were the ones to put the money on the table they're good at giving a chance to players from from the championship they are Mm. let's finish off on star men before we go to the midweek prediction Sim went for Callum Wilson who played zero minutes uh, was out for the season (laughs) and I went for Karu Mitoma he's turning into a star man curse for me at the moment (laughs) literally and I went for Mitoma who Brighton scored five goals and he didn't do anything. Well, he won a penalty and he set up an own goal, but it doesn't count, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately so. So zero goals, zero assists, zero points for both our star men this week. So we finish off 
291 to Sim, 300 to myself. Let's get into the midweek predictions. Man City against Brentford tonight. We've gone for the same scoreline in 3-1 to Man City. And I feel like Brentford might uh, make the early running in this game. Could potentially even go 1-0 up, but I think quality will shine through. And I feel like you could get a bit of an angry performance from Man City this weekend, especially particularly from Erling Haaland, who... Um, who missed a host of chances, but I guarantee you he'll be on the score sheet tonight. Obviously, we're talking about a Brentford team who did the double over City last season, so mm. they definitely know how to play against them, especially with Tony back in the team. I can see uh, Brentford having those um, moments where they're putting City under pressure on the counter. I can see Tony getting some joy uh, on running in behind, but I just think City will have too much quality. Even lo- even on the weekend, even though they drew, I still see- saw them creating loads of chances. I, st- I think De Bruyne is in great form, and I think Haaland will want to put right some wrongs from the weekend. So I just see City having too much for Brentford on, on, in the midweek. So I went for 3-1. And the last prediction of midweek is Liverpool against Luton. Sims gone for 2-0 to Liverpool. I've gone for 3-1, exactly the same scoreline as I went for the Man City game. And look, I feel like Liverpool will be too strong for Luton here at Kenilworth Road. Uh, sorry, at Anfield. But I do think Luton can, um, you know, threaten Liverpool a little bit. And I do think they can get a goal. I, I look at that Burnley game and Burnley put Liverpool under quite a lot of pressure that game. But look, it is a different kettle of fish, Luton. They are, aren't as much of an expansive side as Burnley are. But I do expect Luton to give them a little bit of problems. But I think Liverpool will be too strong. Yeah, the reason I went for 2 0 is I think we know Liverpool are going to push all the way up. And I just feel like without Adebayo there, with that, that, that ability to run in behind, they're going to have Morris, who's obviously a, a big target man, but are they going to have the runners to get in behind? Um, they obviously, they've got Ogbene on the right hand side, but I just see Liverpool stifling them. I see Liverpool being a bit too good. I, I went for 2 0 because I thought maybe Nunes and Jota are both going to be out and maybe. Uh, I don't want to say struggle, but maybe they're not going to be as um, um, firing as maybe they would be if they were fit. I still see with, with the players they have on the pitch more than enough quality to win the game. I just don't see them wiping the floor with uh, Luton and I don't see it battering, but I do see a comfortable win. So I went for 2-0. All right. So there you have it. Those are our predictions. That's our review the Prem as well. Let us know in the comment section below your thoughts regarding the weekend's results and we'll see you next time.